Um, before I begin, I have a scripture too. So um, Psalm 40, verses 2 through 3 says, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust. And that, ladies, I mean, that's basically your testimony you just shared. That's my testimony I'm about to share. And I think that it can be all of ours. I think we all have a story. We all have a new song that he wants to put in our mouths. Well, my story has a lot of details too, so I'm gonna try to like rush through this. Um, my conversion at age 21 was completely different. I went from a secular life to a sober life. Everything was completely different for me. I was prayed over that I would have a hunger for the word of God. If you ever pray for new believers, pray that because it works. And I just fell in love with God's word. And um, I sort of had this Christian fairy tale. I had gone from living with my drug dealer boyfriend, that's a whole nother story, um, to now being saved. I started serving in the church. I met and married the super godly man who happens to be cute. And we had two kids and one is a boy and one is a girl. And we even got like an outside cat because my husband doesn't like pets. But anyway, it was kind of like this beautiful, perfect little story. And I used to look at my life and say, God does marvelous works. But um, he wasn't done doing marvelous works. <laughs> um, and sometimes the marvelous things that he does look differently than we want them to. <laughs> sometimes they are trials. Sometimes they're circumstances. I just have this imagery of a tree. And those, um, those trials, those storms, whatever it is, that's what puts their roots down deep so that they're branches can go out far and have lots and lots of fruit. So we need those things, but we don't always love them. Um, I actually super love trees and all the imagery from that. Right after I got saved, Jesus let me work at a fruit tree nursery, which was super cool. I got to like understand all these agricultural references from the Bible that I had like never heard. So that was pretty cool. But one of my favorite things was that I got to sell apple trees. And there are so many kinds of apples that you can grow. And since where our nursery was, it was like in the Vista, Bonzel, Fallbrook area, we would get people from like coastal Oceanside all the way up to like Escondido, like up in the hills and stuff. And so I would ask them after they picked their apple, where do you live? And I would look on the zoning map because the people don't really realize you have to spend a certain amount of time below 32 degrees per year in order to bear fruit at least with certain, most apples. And the sweetest ones need the most time in that frigid cold. Never anything I've ever thought about. But I would tell them, yeah, you live in coastal Oceanside, you might want to pick out a good citrus plant from over there. <laughs> but um, over a decade after working at that fruit tree nursery, I was busy, I was an active, healthy, mostly wife, mom, friend. We were church planting in Colorado. And I was reading through my Bible, and I felt like the Lord reminded me of those apple trees. Does the Lord ever do that? Bring something up that you're like, that's kind of weird. I haven't thought about that in 10 years. But I did. And so I said, okay, what's, what's up with that? And he said to me, this is going to be a season of deep winter. It won't be enjoyable, but the deep cold will produce sweet fruit if you let me work. 
I had no idea what that meant at the time, but I was like, hey, I'm godly, let's go. So I prayed it in, I said, I'll try. Um, But he was preparing me, like we read in that verse, he was preparing a new song for me to sing. During that time, I began to notice some neurological issues, numbness and pain, weird things that didn't make sense. Um, I had also just found out that my estranged mom had died of complications of MS the year before. And so I went to the doctors, just kind of like, hey, just in case I've got MS, you probably want to tell me that. So I went in, and they gave me a physical exam, and they said, okay, we do need to do an MRI. You have too many symptoms. We need to rule this out. And um, they did not find lesions. I don't have MS. Yay. Um, But they did find a two and a half centimeter mass in my skull that was pushing in on my brain. I don't think I'll ever forget that call. It was totally weird using all these terms. I'm like, is this some sort of medical drama that I'm watching from like the inside? Um, But we scheduled an an appointment with a neurosurgeon. They went ahead and removed it. It was kind of on the outside of three layers of bone. So they were like, oh, this is going to be pretty simple. I mean, as far as brain surgery is supposed to be pretty simple. But they got in there. MRIs aren't perfect. It was four centimeters instead. It had degraded all of the bone. They had to take it all. Um, I no longer had a cute little protective layer. And so they had to put in, like, basically, like, bone rebar and bone cement to kind of, like, cover in the hole. And then we went, yay, the tumor's gone, because they got all of it, yay. Um, But weeks later, I was in intense pain. They did another CT. Apparently, the wire mesh that was supposed to, like, kind of cover it was going like this. So it was poking up into my skin and damaging my nerves, and it was just, it was not fun. So they said, let's go ahead and take care of that. So I went in for another surgery. It was pretty quick and simple, 28 hours in the hospital. I was like, we got brain surgery down. We can do this. Um, and we hoped that would be the end, obviously, of course. Um, I went home to recover. I didn't really feel like I was recovering. Nine days later, um, I couldn't look to the left or the right. And my husband came home from work because he was still working this whole time while I'm, like, recovering. And um, he saw what looked like a little tiny spot of infection. And we were like, okay. Let's go get this taken care of, because if that is infection, it can't touch all the non-organic material, or they'll have to drill all that out, and that would be bad. So we went in, um, got my friend to stay with my kids for what I thought would be a couple hours, get some antibiotics, and be home, ready to rock it again. But um, that's not what happened. I got in there. They saw it immediately. It was a deep staph infection. I had gotten it most likely during the surgery itself, which is why it took so long for us to see it come out because it had started down at the bottom. Um, I just thought they were being like super cautious. I'm like, oh, sure, another MRI, why not? Another CT, sure, I know how to do that. You know, I'm wheeling away and (laughs) they look at Christian after I left and they go, she will be in surgery tonight. There is no chance she won't be. And he went, oh. (laughs) So I'm like getting my MRI. I'm like, whatever, we're just going to get some antibiotics. Yeah, no. My... um, My neurosurgeon came in. She said, we had to do it right now. Worst fears confirmed. I didn't really get it. I was still in shock. They don't, um, for an emergency surgery at 2.30 in the morning, it's totally different. Um, You don't get, like, magically lightly put out in this room, and then you magically wake up over here in this one. It's like I'm wheeling down the hall going, I didn't know this is what the surgery room looked like. Those tables are 
bigger than I thought. Are they going to forget to put me out? Like, I was really kind of freaking out. But um, they, they didn't forget, so don't worry. I slept through the next few hours without knowing they were fighting for my life. But Christian knew. My husband, he sat in an empty waiting room, crying and praying and crying and praying. And the only person he saw, because it's, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning at this point, was the janitor who came in and actually he scared the janitor because they didn't know he was in there but um it just felt like the twilight zone in there uh, got me out of there and they said there's no good reason why but the infection has stayed out of her brain so there is no reason but we know the reason right ladies the lord said here and no farther and they mentioned as an aside that they had to pressure wash my brain that's always fun, to ensure that the staff would be completely cleared away and that they had to remove quite a bit of my neck tissue. Um, it was just too far infected. It, they had to remove it. Um, so I have a big, I got a neat little, well, you can't, oh, did you see? Oh, sorry, that's grody. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I no longer have that bit of my neck. I spent days in the ICU. I was given a helmet to cover my head because I had a hole in my skull. Um, the surgery had to leave that hole because they couldn't introduce non-organic material until I had spent enough time on the antibiotics and got cleared from infectious disease. Um, they said it was, at this point, almost five centimeters. And they told me I could go blind if there was any pressure on the back of my head. Even to roll over and lay on my back for a moment could make me go blind. So helmet it is. And um, for a month, I took the most horrible antibiotics that exist. They were so strong. We actually had trouble with our insurance. And so Christian was like, can I just buy one week's worth? And then we'll come back and get the rest. And they were like, they're $800 a pill. You probably want to call your insurance. He was like, yes, I do. So, but I was constantly sick from that. Um, The pressure washing had given me a brain injury. Um, Christian had to limit sounds and light to number of people in a room, and I spent all of that time really confused, because it, I, I don't know, it's hard to explain. But it's this blur of intense pain, but also beautiful people <laughs> coming to my house, taking my kids to the zoo, cleaning my toilets, like, like basic needs that were just so precious to me. And I just remember feeling loved and taken care of, and after a month, they actually 3D printed, which I actually brought it, but I, I forgot to bring it up here. Um, they've 3D printed my skull. They did like a CT of it so that they could make this perfect little piece, which Christian thought it was so cool because 3D printing, I mean, come on, it's really neat. And it looks like my wife's skull. So anyway, so then they scheduled me for a fourth surgery. Honestly, that fourth one was the most scary No one knew better than me what to expect at this point. I had done it three times already. I knew experientially the danger of infection. I had never thought about infection before, but I knew it now. I knew the intense, excruciating pain that medicine just can't touch um, that would come when I woke up. And I was really prepared, so I was really terrified, too. Um, And I remember thinking, yeah, how about we don't? Like, could we skip this one? It says optional somehow. I was super childlike. I don't know, blame it on the brain injury, but I was just like, how about we don't? Um, And I literally sat there trying to figure out with God how to get out of it. But I felt him hedging me in. He, I had this image of all these verses people had given me or I had gotten or prayed over me or whatever it was. And they were like, 
the shepherd had sent out his little sheepdogs, you know, and I just had this imagery of the sheepdogs keeping the sheep from the edge of the cliff. And I was, I wanted the cliff of despair and I wanted the wilderness of self-pity. And his word was like, sorry, not going to let you go there. His word trapped me in this beautiful way that I, I don't know if I'm explaining it well enough, but, um, I had to keep going. Basically, he wouldn't let me not. And all I remember about those days after the fourth surgery is love. I remember not being able to speak because words didn't make sense. And people would smile and help me out to the chair in the backyard and give me a cup of coffee because I love coffee. And, um, and just sit there with me. I didn't have to speak. Or they would come by all these sweet, two different ladies in our church had newborn babies and they would come over and put their babies to sleep and hand them to me. And then they would go and clean my toilets or cook food for my kids and I got to hold their babies. And it was the most precious thing in the world. And I know that was part of my medicine. I know that's how I healed. And that is such a gift to me. Um, I wasn't strong enough to be part of the world at that moment, but Jesus brought the best pieces of life literally into my sickbed. They would come and bring me babies. The kids would come bring me their Legos, whatever it was. He brought all the joyous parts of life and just sat it down with me. And that is my favorite part about all of this, is that There were sleepless nights, there was still pain, but there was his spirit speaking, there was his word, and there was beauty. There was pain, but that beauty was so much louder, it was so much bigger, and his presence was so big and so real, and that's actually still the lesson I'm learning now. I'm still continuing to learn this because um, I still now daily have pain. I still now daily hear him speaking his beauty even louder though that neck tissue they removed well that's what holds up your head kind of important um and it won't go back not the amount i lost um that brain injury is it's gotten better i can actually stand here and talk to you guys which is amazing but um when i get triggered i go from the range of like stuttering mess to like full-on panic attack and I and sometimes I don't know what's gonna happen there are days I can't come in on a Sunday and come in this part of the church even though it's my favorite part because there's too many people there's too much sound I have to sit out there even though I would love to be in here because this place is awesome but even though I'm stuck with all of that those are permanent things until Jesus comes back for me because I get a new body so I'm excited about that but his beauty is still louder now and he's still doing marvelous things and now he's using my pain because my pain limits me i have to say no to things i really really want to do way more often than i get to say yes but i've been learning in that how to be still i wasn't good at that before i was busy it was fun i loved having people at my house now i can't and for a while i was kind of angry at the lord Um, I liked the old Joe, and I wanted to be her again. I mean, I was thankful for all the good stuff he did, and he did do a lot of things. I just wished he could have done them another way. I was like, can't you do this another way? But this year, I began to see the fruit he was handing me, that the fruit that I could get no other way besides that deep winter season 
was how to be still and how to be content with wherever he carries me simply because they are his arms carrying me. And to lay my head like a little girl on her daddy's shoulder, just happy to be there. I began to think this year, what if I'm more useful now as a means of prayer and love for the people I wish I could be making dinner for or watching their kids. What if my ministry isn't less powerful now, but more? What if somebody else's prayers are the only reason I did any of that stuff in the first place? Like, who am I to ask? So, sorry, I got lost in my notes too. Um, I just know that I'm excited to sing the song that he has handed to me. He's taught me each note individually, and it's been a deep winter season. It's been cold. It's been hard. But each note is so beautiful. Don't you love listening to these ladies sing tonight? Can't you, like the melodies and you feel all these moments? You have to learn each one with him. You have to learn each one with the Lord. And so my exhortation to you guys is, do you have pain in your life? Do you have a trial? Is it an estranged family member or a failing friendship or even a failing marriage? Do you have your own debilitating medical attorney that could, like, knock mine out of the water? Probably. Um, Can I please just encourage you to stay in his word, dwell in his presence, and let him teach you your unique melody, your unique song. Only you can sing it. It will only sound good to his heart when you sing it. And I love the way that Psalm 40 ends. It says, he has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust. Your life, your song, is going to be the vehicle that God uses to bring many people to trust. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. So thank you.